Hey, uh, welcome back to Question Possible Answer. Uh, I know it's been a while since content's released, and there's good reasons. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, trying to remember how we used to intro this. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, I'm Peanut. I'm Todd. And uh, this is Question Possible Answer. Um, so I guess just to start things off, the last time we released content, I believe, was the Harry Potter episode. There's been content recorded since then. Unfortunately, all content recorded before this point in time, if it has not released, it is lost in the wind. Um, I had some technical difficulties, had a computer that was in the process of getting content ready so I could work on it on this computer. And while it was uploading to the network, it completely crashed and died, and it was all lost. Uh, so to Joel for the Hot Takes episode, I want to apologize. Uh, to Tog for our... Oh, what movie was that? Chronicles of Riddick. Chronicles Actually, no, of Riddick. That, that, was, that was Pitch Black. Pitch Black, yes. Uh, we recorded an episode of that where, funnily enough, uh, capturing the audio, I managed to capture all of your audio and somehow managed to not capture any of my own. So that complete episode was gone. So, new year, new beginnings. Um, we've got a lineup of episodes we're going to try to knock out here in the next few days while I've got you in town. Yep. And I've got a few hosts lined up. Uh, I know you said you wanted to be here for Jurassic Park, the second one. But we're going to be missing that one by a short time frame. Okay, that's fine. Uh, that said, I don't remember why I wanted to be here for the second one. <laughs> I just remember you saying you wanted to be here and I tried to schedule it so he would possibly be available but it was real short notice he's a busy person and we don't know when we're recording it but he said he wants to do it so oh oh I actually remember what that was um but I'll, I'll write down that question so that way you can uh have it for later response okay um how's work been um I'm not sure how much of that I actually want to discuss right now because there's been some recent events That's... that are fresh, working through them. I'm not sure who knows how much, et cetera, et cetera. So, work's been good. <laughs> That's fair. And, of course, most of my stuff I can't talk about due to NDAs and legal reasons. So, uh, actually, I, I can say this. Um, we had a, a bit of a snafu earlier this week and all that. Um, we were installing some fiber cable outside, about 500 feet. Not a big deal and all that, but, uh, there's a difference between single-mode fiber and multi-mode fiber. Um, the main difference in that is the core diameter. Uh, someone else loaded the roll into the trailer. We went out there. We dug the ditch. We put it in. It was direct buried, and, uh... We went to splice the ends and all that, and we found out that we had installed the wrong cable. And so the three days' worth of work that we did to put it in, because, you know, we're contractors and we take our time, uh, we had to do in less than a day. And uh, that, was a, that was a fun little snafu we got to fix and all that, and it's up and running. And Yeah, that's really been mine. I'm, I'm really loving the contracting gig. It's really nice. See, with my experience, the difference between single-mode and multi-mode fibers can normally be told by looking at the connector. Hmm. Uh, SC versus LC? I believe so. Yep. So, um, maybe next time do that before running however much fiber. We have to splice those connectors on. Oh. Yeah. Well, never mind then. <laughs> um, and normally, normally, we would put on the LC, however, because we're limited on stock on everything right now uh we we went ahead and did uh sc connectors and all that and that's a whole bunch of technical mumbo jumbo bullshit that i could really care less about right now uh, i am officially on vacation so let's enjoy this while we can on vacation and i've got you working for free i know right but yeah, so uh for our first topic back now that we've taken well, I guess it hasn't been that long. We've only spent the past five minutes talking now. I mean, normally we do it about 30. Yeah, I mean, it seems like we've done oh, a lot more in this time frame. I, I know what it was, uh, we, because typically we would order food or have food made or something like that. And I, I haven't cooked in six months, 
And frankly, I don't think we have supplies on hand for me to even attempt. We do not. <laughs> I've actually gone through and done a bunch of clearing out of old stock that's expired. and I, so, so it looks a lot deader than it was, but trust me, the quality that's available is the same. <laughs> uh, I am also not ordering because tonight after this, uh, I got to do a little bit of homework and uh, dip out to uh, go have drinks with the guys. Um, what else we got going on? Um, I mean, you you want to roll straight into this? I think so. I mean, okay. uh, I guess I'll drop our plugs first since, yeah, that's a thing that we do. Yeah. Uh, and it's a little bit shorter this time. Uh, just search for question, possible answer on Facebook and Instagram. That's where you can find us, uh, on the social media pages. Keep up to date with our plans of recording uh subject to change but our plans are announced there um guest notifications can be found there as well release dates occasionally yeah uh, and, and all that is open to interpretation as this is not the full-time main job this is done on the side and just kind of done when possible yeah like this batch of recording we have planned to do Hopefully, if we can get to it all in time, four episodes in a few days. Don't really know how many days we have to do it. <laughs> we'll see. It's going to be hit and miss. So, to start things off, and so I guess this will also be first in the release order. Um, the next few will try to not comment on release order, so they can be released in any order, just in case. As needed. Um, but yeah, so first on the list... Um, it's a movie that I'm actually not too familiar with. I only just finished seeing it for the second time earlier today. Um, but we're stepping into the world of, uh, I don't know if you want to call it The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, um, The Civilian, I believe is the name of the book. Uh, one of them, yeah. Yeah, but you know, there's so many different words you could use to describe which universe you're The, the fantasy world of J.R.R. Tolkien. Now, I I will preference this, okay? And I I cannot drive this into the ground any harder, so that way we don't have any comments come back. This review is only of the movies. This does not account for anything in the books. I have not read the books. I cannot speak on the books. Don't even try bringing up the books. This is purely the cinematic J.R.R. Tolkien universe. All right. Now, that said... Got any questions? Um, so, let me double check. So, I guess, first question, which I know you're going to have an answer for, so I don't even need to say possible. You have an answer for this. I do not. Which story came first, liter lit literary-wise? Was it the story of The Hobbit? And I know you said no books, but this is immediately referencing books well so which uh, which story came first lord of the rings or even in, even in the movies the hobbit takes place before the lord of the rings because bilbo gets the ring in the right. hobbit which he then gives to frodo in the lord of the rings i'm aware of that i was more asking which one actually got released first because i know a lot of the times they'll be a huge success and they go back and so make the prequel release dates wise the Lord of the Rings trilogy was filmed and released before The Hobbit. It was the, uh, there's a word and I can't think of it, but basically it, my, my brain just dumped everything, even the director. Um, but it, it, it was, it was, it was Peter Jackson. Yes. It was a, a passion project by Peter Jackson. The original Lord of the Rings was, um, he had difficulty having even a studio pick it up like it was such a big deal and at one point in time it was going to have to drop down to just two movies versus three um all of them were filmed back to back to back and since then there has never quite been something done so well in my mind um now since we are talking about the hobbit we'll focus on the hobbit because I could spend days going over the Lord of the Rings. Right. Which, uh, The Hobbit was based off the Sumerian, I think it was? Or was that a... The Hobbit is its own book. It's its own book. It's okay. its own book. Okay. Because I, I know, movie-wise, Lord of the Rings came first and stuff. Because I was in seventh grade when The Fellowship first came out. Yeah. 
And I've got a whole story for that one planned, but we're not talking about that one right now, so I'm not going to tell that story. So the the Hobbit was originally released as a children's book. It got a couple slight changes on a re-release, and then uh, the story was continued to be fleshed out in The Lord of the Rings, and then later into the Samarillion, which, while some people have read it, most people have difficulty with it. Um, yeah, it's it's a whole deal. Um, I, I have a question, and this question has been burning in my head for a while. Um, I, I tried to ask uh, Don Marshall 72 on TikTok, who's a big Lord of the Rings person. He's done interviews with uh, Sean Austin and a couple other people, I believe. Um, my, my, my big question from the cinematic universe, okay? In the beginning, we watch Smog literally tear a hole into Ebo, or Erebor's gates to enter the Lonely Mountain, correct? Correct. Okay. The entire part of them getting to the mountain and all that was because of a timeline that they, that they, they had to go through the secret door and all that and the side of the mountain and all that. If they thought the dragon was dead... Which they did, that's what they believed, because birds had returned. Why didn't they just use the front fucking gate? There's a giant hole in it. You can't tell me you can't get in a dragon-sized hole. Only the dwarves <laughs> believed the dragon to be dead. You're right. The dwarves that went, that were going to Erebor. That were led by Gandalf. Who wasn't there when they arrived. Gandalf went on his own little side quest. He was barely involved. But to be fair, by the end of the first movie, they still technically haven't made it there. Exactly. So, they're, they're still trying to get there. But yeah, you, you, the, the whole big issue about their, their timeline with the map, because there's the map that's read by the stars and all that, is they have this deadline to reach this secret door to enter the Lonely Mountain. They have to, they have to, to last light on Durin's day. Which... It's surprising in and of itself that they're able to get this information and be like, oh, we have two weeks, or instead of, it's 137 years till the next event. Oh, no, we got lucky. We've yeah. got two weeks to get there. Like, that's, you know. The, the, the light of the moon just happened to align just right, blah, 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 blah. It's a fucking miracle they were in Rivendell with someone who could read the runes. And understand it and all that. They, they just happen to get lucky. And they're given two weeks to get there. I think it's two weeks. I don't know the exact Yeah, I, I don't think they really touch on it. I just say two weeks because they're like, oh yeah, we have, you know, we're within of the month of it happening or mm -hmm. something like that. We're within that much time frame. Yeah. And basically my, my whole point and concept and all this. That, that I'm trying to get a point is I feel like that is a very, very large plot hole into it is why wouldn't to me, to me, that's the equivalent of not taking the Eagles to Mordor. Like they have, they have to get to this door. They're given this amount of time to get to the door. They don't need to go through that door. There's a giant dragon sized hole in the front gate. Um, but yeah, uh, but I guess you could also argue, because in those same conversations, they say, we're not the only ones who have this information, we're not the only ones who have probably figured all this out. So they could also be trying to play it safe, and be like, well, we'll take the back door. Because we don't know what armies litter the dragon-sized entrance. Yeah. Because there could be a horde of orcs, and goblins, goblins. and... Who knows what? That that is another thing I would I would definitely like to touch on. So and this is a comparison between the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Um, the amount of CGI that was used on the goblins and the orcs in the Hobbit to me made it feel more cartoonish and more poorly done than Lord of the Rings. Because Lord of the Rings had a lot of live action. Like, they, they actually hired extras in 
as the goblins, as the Urukai, as all this, whereas a lot of that was CGI'd in, especially whenever they're down in like Goblin Town and Moria. Uh, you have the big giant like bubbly goblins and all that versus the the sleeker, thinner, like more like. I, 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 I can't... You know what I'm trying to say, right? I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. The, the, the more human-esque goblin and all that, um, where it's just like the messed up teeth and shit, um, which is what we see in Moria in the second one. Or, sorry, in The Lord of the Rings. So, that, that, that comparison just kind of bothers me a little bit. Uh, I know other people... Um, Stated that Jackson was using too much CGI as things progressed, and I, I I do believe that to be true. But overall, I still really enjoyed the movie. The argument could also be made that because Lord of the Rings was first, and it was you know they wanted to do their best with the story, yeah. So they went the extra mile to have that physicality behind it. Well, yeah, I mean, that all boils down to a funding thing. And to be honest, I figure it would have been cheaper to hire the extras in to be the goblins. Because there's there's people that would that would volunteer, pay for the ticket to wherever the film site is, just so they could be a part. You can't tell me Lord of the Rings does not have that following. True. But then it becomes a matter of how many people can hold a straight face while the camera's on their face. And they're not going to be giant fanboy in a way that's not going to be capturable. I mean, while that that is fair, and I do see that, um, the fact that they they put out casting calls for extras all the time for different shows, even even here in Tulsa. Like, while I'm here right now, I, I could go, there's a film, uh, sorry, there's a show, Reservoir Dogs, uh, that's being filmed. I'm familiar with it. I haven't actually watched it. I haven't watched it either. But there's open casting call. I I could go there. $1,000 a day right now. I am Native American, so I do qualify. Uh, <laughs> Hair-wise, facial-wise, I don't think they, I'm quite what they're looking for. But uh, the, the point is, open casting calls do go out like that for average people and all that. I know Lord of the Rings could or The Hobbit could have pulled the same stunt and still received quality product to shoot those scenes. So. And they probably still wouldn't have even had to pay. But, I mean, you do get what you pay for. I mean, it still ended up being a pretty good story visually nonetheless. Yes, yes. Um... So, I guess, to start analyzing the movie from a start to end, just funny, because, you know, we tend to always look at the extended editions of movies. Yep. And this one comes in a little over three hours long. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's a lengthy boy. I really feel like, discussion-wise, we're not going to get as long as we have in the past. I, I, I feel like you're correct in this statement. Um, it's been probably about a month since I last saw it. Um but it's also one of those shows that I've seen probably about every six months. So, uh, actually, um, I first saw it in theaters with my current girlfriend whenever it was released. We broke up, we got back together, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it was a whole ordeal. But it's it. This movie has been such a, a big deal in this relationship that I, I highly appreciate it. So. Um, so what else you got? Uh, so I get, uh, sorry, Jake's kind of being extra needy right now. Um, I get, So for me, the main question that I really want to do to kick things off is... Uh, which is, funnily enough, a question that got originated, I sent to you, it was a TikTok question, and it was deemed under the term 
a viable excuse for peanut logic or a viable definition of peanut logic. I don't know if you remember this one. I do not. I have slept a lot since Okay. Then. But so for those of you that don't know, peanut logic is something that we've defined in my workplace as an idiotic idea that I personally come up with. But it's idiotic in a sense that not only is it stupid, but it's just stupid enough that it might work. Yep. And the key point of all of it is it also retains 100% safety the entire time you're being stupid. So it's technically not a stupid idea. Now, while this isn't 100% a stupid idea... The question is still a perfect example for what develops a peanut logic response. This question is, like I said, originally derives from fellowship, but carries weight here as well. Okay. How old is Bilbo Baggins in the beginning of this movie? Oh, um, there's actually a correct answer to this. Um... I want to say he's around, like, the 50s. You mind grabbing me one of those? Um, I, I, I want to say he's in his 50s and all that. Um, but I... I Give me give me half a second. I, I, I would like to give the actual correct number. Um, for this, we're, we're, we're going to Google. Bilbo. Uh, well, I can stop you right there because you're wrong. Okay. Um, so, regardless of which movie you're talking about, be it Fellowship or Hobbit, okay, the answer is the same. They're coming up on celebrating his 111th birthday. Correct. So he's 110 at the beginning of the movie for Fellowship. Correct. At the beginning of Hobbit, he is also 110 because it's the same scene where he was writing his book. At one point, there is a flashback. That goes back to him in his younger days, but that is not the beginning of the movie. You you are correct in that statement. However, and like I said, I was discussing peanut logic. So you, you, and you, and I guess in this instance, peanut logic would be full technicality, whereas technicality is the most proper form of correct, or what? However, that statement is supposed to go. You, you know what this is. You know what this is? This is um actually. Okay, yes. This, this, that, that, that's all it was, was um actually. Um, I'm still calling it peanut logic. Okay. Uh, so yes, you are correct. In the movie, it does start with him in a flashback. However, during the events in The Hobbit that he is recalling, he is 51 years old. Oh, I thought you were going back to the childhood event where he meets Gandalf for the first time. Because we do see a, a brief flashback of that as well. In the movie? Yes. I don't recall that. We, I'll pull it up later after the fact, but I watched it earlier. And it's literally like a 30 second clip whenever he's talking to Gandalf and he's like, I don't remember. Or he's like an old friend or something. And it brings up the fireworks, right? Yeah, it brings up fireworks and blah, blah, blah. Before that, there is a small scene where there's an older woman who runs up to... I would say the kid looks like he's six or seven, but it's Bilbo. Okay. But yeah. Um, and, and so with with the way Hobbits age and progress and all that, uh, I want to say they don't actually reach like adulthood until they're like 35. Yeah, I, I'm not really 100% sure. I'm not... So Frodo uh, was the oldest of the hobbits to go in the lord of the rings and all that um and he went i want to say at 51 whenever things actually started i know it ended in a one i don't remember what the first digit in his age was he's 50 years younger than bilbo okay 50, 50 or 60 okay well that would make him either 51 or 61 but accordingly um peregrine took if i'm not mistaken he's only like 25 during the lord of the rings he he he's still like a 17 18 year old kid equivalently that went on this epic journey and all that which was really just him getting stoned with his buddy and then getting going on like 
a McDonald's esque adventure. It's Harold and Kumar go to Mordor. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's same universe, different movie. Yeah. Um so keeping in the beginning of the movie, now that we're past the random how old is question. Yeah, yeah. Um so we get introduced fairly early on in the movie, which I believe it comes back up later in the series, but for the rest of the movie, it's a, it's an unknown. Yeah. Which is the Arkenstone. Yes. How much do you think that thing's worth? Ooh. Based off of how much lore that we get, you know, just based off the lore from the beginning with its power. So, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, whoever controls the Arkenstone, whoever is in possession of the Arkenstone has the king's rights of Erebo, because it is the king's stone. Which is something they decide after finding it in a pile of rubble. In the mountain, after finding it. Right, you know, but 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 before that, it's a know-nothing, it's just a beautiful rock. Yeah, I mean, really, that's all it is. It's, it's, It's a beautiful, shiny rock, which I guess would be the equivalent of, like, the Hope Diamond and all that. Or, no, um, it's not the Hope Diamond. It might be the Hope Diamond. Um, there is a jewel that is owned by the British royal family and all that, that there, there were two stones, or there were, there were two pieces of jewelry that were cut, basically, from the stone. And I think one of them is the Hope Diamond, and the other is something else, um... And actually, I think it was like like the major plot point for like the Titanic, if I'm not mistaken. That was the Hope Diamond for the plot point of the Titanic. Okay. Um, I'm not 100% sure yet about the rest of what you're saying about Hope Diamond, but that part I do know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, so I, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that I would say is literally priceless, um, which is amazing considering they have diamonds made of pure starlight in this universe um and of course the so you really you really can't talk about the hobbit without talking about lord of the rings you it can't be done in my mind um you you have uh Holy shit, what is her name? It's the Elven... Gladriel. Gladriel. Okay. Like I said, I just watched it, and luckily she appears in both. If I hadn't watched it, I wouldn't be able to tell you that. So, in the movies, uh, whenever you look into Gladriel's eyes and all that, you will see multiple, like, reflections of light, because she is the only remaining elf that can see the starlight. Because she's from, like, pre-first age kind of shit. Um. Right. Yeah, she's one of the oldest uh, elves. Yes. Yes, she is. Uh, and and really, whenever you you start breaking things down genealog- genealogically between the elves and all that, and how all that comes in about, um, it gets very uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Arkansas-ish. Sorry to our viewers in Arkansas, um, but but you get what I'm saying. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, crossbreeding. Um, but I mean, e- even if you you look back, actually, if you if you were to look at modern day people and all that, if you go back, I think even ten generations. No, it's it's a it's a hundred generations. No matter who who you run into, you will run into someone whose genealogy matches up with you. Which at that point, it's not a connecting chain strong enough to actually affect, but cause any. We're we're not we're not even gonna touch on that crap. Right. Um. But yeah. Uh. So. so I. Go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, if you're going to continue on the subject, go ahead. I, I'm really not. I, I, I was getting ready to touch on just my obsession with the dwarves, which is hilarious considering I'm six foot three and I've always wanted to be a dwarf because I don't know. 
I think I, I, I want to be short, but then again, I also look at things from like a D and D standpoint, and dwarves were immune to poison. So, okay, so if if you prefer the dwarves, this is actually a pretty good question because I know where I stand on this one. Okay. Um. So, in the lore of the first movie, we have the elves stole the treasure, or they stole they stole the dwarves' treasure. That's one side of the story. The other side of the story is the doors were denied their rightful pay, which is the doors versus elves and why there's the hatred in the beginning. And it's mentioned around the same time the Arkenstone is brought up in the beginning and that back. Oh, okay, okay. So I think I know what you're talking about. So whenever the Lonely Mountain came under attack and all that, um, at that point in time, I want to say that's in the Second Age. And at that point in time... The dwarves and the elves actually had a a decent relationship, especially trade wise. Um, however, the uh, woodland uh, elves of Mirkwood uh, they were going to go to the rescue of the dwarves. However, they turned away and basically forsake the dwarves because the elvish king and I forget his name, but basically. Legolas's father, who should not have been in the Hobbit movies, um, but uh, even though he was probably alive, he should he, he should not have been in the movies. Um, he he basically turned away because he didn't want to risk loss of his people to the dragon. And to be honest, I I don't blame him. Um, that that caused a real issue between. One real issue between dwarves and elves. There's been quite a few. Um, elves are very hoity-toity, high and mighty, because they were they were one of the first creatures created by uh, the god of the Lord of the Rings, uh, Al Alor, I believe it is. Um, that's going into Samarillion territory, I believe. Um, but basically... They were created. They were some of the first beings. They were there on Middle Earth whenever it was flat. To elves, it is a flat world. To everyone else, it is round. How that logic works, I don't know. That's why elves can see farther than any other species on there. Orcs were a perversion of elves done through the... Malachor or Margorth or something like that. Um, basically the devil version in Lord of the Rings. I'm really getting into a lot of lore dump right now. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, back, back to your question. Uh, what was it again? So the question was, I guess to condense it into an easy-to-answer version, elves versus dwarves. Yeah. Who do you side with? Dwarves. Which I figured you would based off how you said earlier. I personally choose the elves, but that's... I mean, they even said it. The Dwarf King had a sickness for the greed, and he was probably just demanding more pay after the contract between the dwarves and elves. So, uh, gold in the Lord of the Rings uh, is, is poisonous because it it is greed now um you also have to think that um in the second age the rings of power were created um there were nine rings for men three rings for elves and seven rings for dwarf lords in these rings the hatred of saruman was poured in uh, it was actually made by a very, very popular uh, elfsmith who also created the Eastern Door... No. Yes, the Eastern Doors to Moria, or the Khazadun. Um, the, these rings of power and all that, because they had the hatred and all that, that partly caused an affliction to... Uh, not Thrain, but... Because it's Sor Thorn, son of Thrain, Thrain, son of whoever was 
whoever the first, not the first king of the Lonely Mountain, but whoever whoever we first see in the Lonely Mountain. I can't remember his name right now. Um, but yeah, uh, that ring helped cause a sickness into the uh, Dwarf Lord, which made him want to acquire more gold. And of course, whenever you acquire more gold, dragons can sense that, makes them a larger target. Which is why Smog arrived in Erebor. Because there was so much greed and gold prevalent. Which whenever you look at the 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 just plunder that's in the Great Hall there, you, you just see the wealth, the the rivers of gold that you see. I mean, the, the fucking statue that you see in the third movie that just like, no, second movie. Yeah, second movie that melts down onto Smog. I'm having trouble remembering because I've only watched the trilogy once. And whenever I watched it, I want to say I watched it with you. It was in binge format. Yeah. And so not much of it stuck. But. So I feel like this is a good point to bring up. There's massive similarities between the Tolkien universe and Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Um. Mainly because Dungeons and Dragons is based on the Tolkien verse. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. There is no denying that. I mean, your your uh, hobbits are your halflings. Your elves are your elves. Your I mean, most of it is a straight, a straight across connect the lines. This is what it is. But. Something I love is something I tried to pay attention to while watching it this time was trying to figure out from a D&D standpoint how this campaign was built. Okay. And I think I've come up with it. And just about, it's not solidified yet, but I'm thinking Bilbo is your new player to D&D who has never played before. Okay. He was told that you live you live in a fantasy world where you can do whatever you want, be whoever you want to be. Yep. So this person chose to live on a farm and live out their day, you know, basically built Bilbo up until the events of the party. Yeah. Not fully aware that this campaign is going to happen. Yeah. Enter the NPC wizard, Gandalf. Who tries to get you involved in the campaign. Yeah. Puts the mark on your door even though you say no because this campaign is happening whether you want it to or not. Yeah. He might even be a player who's played, you know, an experienced player. Who's like, okay, yeah, new player, let's have some fun. I'm going to pause you right there. So, Gandalf is an NPC run by the DM. Okay, okay. 100%. I was thinking that as well. But so, you know, so we have this player just living their lives, preparing for their birthday celebration. Yeah. Wizard shows up, we get this exposition. Flash forward to the evening, and the dwarves start showing up. Yeah. Which are all other players that conspired beforehand to all play dwarves, and the DM found a way to make it work for the story. Yeah. And then... You've got the one player that's running late to the sessions. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to pause you and I'm, I'm going to tell you my point of view on this one. So, basically what it was, was you had the DM, he he had an idea for a, a dwarf-themed campaign and all that. And so, he, he gets his group together, they're, they, they made the characters and all that. Most of them have played before, they're, they're all playing typically as... Level 10 characters. I, I actually did the math on how much damage that they could take. Most of them are level 10 to 15 characters. Okay. And then you had this uh, this one new guy who just happened to be a friend of the DM. And he's like, hey, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons before. I'm interested. And the DM just didn't really think about it much. Like, yeah, sure, blah, blah, uh here you go, here's what you need for character creation. And between the text messages, between the two people and all that, um, 
the word dwarf got dropped. However, the the foreshortened kind of thing continued, which is why he ended up as a hobbit. And the DM's like, fuck it, we'll roll with it. And <laughs> that's how you got that exposition. Um, but yeah. But yeah, it seems, from my understanding, that seems to work very well for the here's how this campaign got built. Yes. I, I, I will agree with that. And especially, and the way the session ends, being that this is a three-session campaign. Yeah. A three-movie trilogy. Yeah. The way the session ends, I really feel like, because it ends with, we have the battle of Thorin, and everyone's going over in the trees, they're all stuck, they're trying to climb out. I really feel like how it goes is a... Thorin survives his save and gets out of the trees immediately and takes off running. Yeah. Everyone else fails for one round. Bilbo gets out second round. Yeah. Because Thorin goes down, Bilbo comes in and makes the kill. Yeah. And after that, everyone else gets out. Well, not everyone, but most of them get out. Yeah. I would say after the third save of trying to get out of the trees, the third failed save, those that didn't get it are just stuck and they're waiting for the cinematic transition. Yeah. Everyone else gets out, takes off running after... Thorin is saved. Cue the DM cinematic transition that he triggered earlier with Gandalf talking to the moth. Yep. Enter the the eagles to come in and save everyone, even those that were stuck in the trees because they couldn't climb out. Question. Possible answer. This is a good one. Alright. So, we have the eagles. They came to save the dwarves. Why the fuck? Did they not drop them in Lake Town? On a minimum Lake Town. If if not Erebor. W why? I mean, they they did show up and fight for... Are you talking about drop the our, our allies off at the... Yeah. They, 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 they came, they picked up all the dwarves, and then they, they fly them miles upon miles upon miles away. But instead of, you know... that That's like... Because that's the, like you calling for a ride. I pick you up in South Tulsa and drive you to Owasso, but you need to get all the way to like fucking Coffeeville. Because the DM needed time to prep the next session. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it it's one of those things. They're already hitching a ride with the Eagles. Why not give them a little extra gas money? Get fucking someplace, you know, halfway decent. It, Lake Town, Erebor, like... No, we're gonna drop them in the wilderness X 100 miles away. And then bugger off for the rest of the, you know, movies. Wait, wait until Gandalf needs a ride from, uh... Uh... Shit. I forget where where uh, Sar Saruman's tower is. It's in uh, Isil. Isil. It starts with an I, doesn't it? it does. Um, Isengard. Isengard. They've taken the hobbits to Isengard. Yeah, I was trying to remember myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so in my mind, just trying to go back to that D and D essence of you know, I imagine you know, roll to get out of the tree, and everyone takes time getting out. That's why there's a sparse entry into battle yeah once everyone has failed their saves but they roll a lucky die or something so they don't fall out of the tree yeah but they're exhausted they're stuck in the tree the eagle show up cue cinematic entrance everyone is miraculously saved as they're flying off the dm goes on this rant about how lucky they were he's clinging on to life he's stabilized or unconscious but stable yeah you know and that's where we're going to end this session. So see you all in a month. So what I love about D and D, and I, I I do feel like a lot of parties miss this fact, especially whenever uh, you have certain DMs. Um, not every conflict in D and D, not every battle that you go into, is one the party can survive. It's also not one the party should stick around to fight. If if you notice, in that they were fleeing, they fled to the trees, they were trying to escape, they ended up on the edge of a cliff, they did what they had to do, blah, blah, blah. But they were, they were trying to actively get away, versus the stay and fight that you will see 
so much in D&D. Because, in my opinion, most players think, oh, if, if I die and all that, blah, 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 I'm resurrected, or... Oh, you'll have a backup character, or an NPC's gonna enter that's gonna bring me back to life, the, or... The DM's not gonna kill us, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? If you do something stupid, and I, I am 100% privy to this, if you do something stupid in D&D, I think 100% you deserve to have the full consequences of those actions against your character. Oh, I almost died in my second session. Okay, so I've reclassed since then, because the DM kind of had a rule, you know, I get with all the characters every few sessions, everyone's allowed to reclass once a campaign if they're not feeling it. Yeah. So my first character, I didn't have any source books to go off of, so I was restricted to base material whenever I first built him. Oh. So I was a level 5 rogue. Thief. Okay. That's all that was available to me as a rogue. No other subclasses were available. Yeah. So we're going through a dungeon... I don't remember the exacts. I just know that the campaign took us to that town because they were picking me up. Like, their campaign took them there, and I just happened to be a local that knew the area and joined up with them. Yeah. And uh, we're going through the sewers, going through a mummy lair, if I remember properly, in the sewers. Okay. Um, and we get to our boss fight of this little mini-dungeon. And the only reason I survived was because of my level 5 skill, Uncanny Dodge. Which um, lets you cut all incoming damage by half. Um, I'm literally in... I'm hiding in a mummy's um, coffin. And the legend... The lair action was still giving damage because I was on the outskirts of the map. Yeah. And uh, the only reason I survived is because he's doing these actions. I'm taking... Two damage. I'm over here. Can I uncanny dodge that to only take one? He's like, yeah, sure. Why not? End of combat comes up. They're like, how's everyone doing? I was like, so uh, I'm at one. <laughs> they're like, well, you should have gotten out of the coffin. It's like I was blind. The coffin offered resist, you know, uh, a a barrier. Yeah. And I was low, so I wasn't getting out. I figured I could stay in here. Worst case scenario. But then he was rolling really poorly for the lair action. Poorly for him yep. meant bad for me. Yeah. Because all the lair actions were sticking to the outer five feet of the room instead of the inner where everyone else was. I was the only one on the outer. Yeah. So he's rolling really poorly. He's like, oh, well, this is only hitting Jackson, my character. And I'm like, oh, great. How much is that? Please be less than three so I can survive. So... Uh, I, I, I'm going to sidebar talking about D&D just for a second, and then we'll get back to uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, back whenever I, I, I deployed in 2020, uh, I was in Qatar, and they ran a campaign. This this is pre-COVID, um, but they, they were running a campaign there, and I, I came in like 90% of the way through this campaign, I was only in it for like two sessions before I had to dip out to Bagram. Um, but I still had some fun. I, I had me a, a level seven rogue. And I I am a rogue through and through. However, I refuse to have that stereotypical, you know, archetype where like my parents are dead kind of crap. No, uh, I, I always played it as um, I'm actually royalty. My family life is great. I'm just a kleptomaniac. Mine's uh, a mix of both of those. You gotta love it, right? Um, but, uh, I was playing a Kenku, and one thing I love about Kenkus is they can only repeat things other people have said. So, as the party was doing stuff in character and all that, I would write down different phrases. Uh, one of those phrases became, I'm all about suicide, um, which is hilarious when I just think about, you know, from a military standpoint, because they're, like, so against, you know, that kind of thing. Rightfully so. Um... But uh, we're, we're down in this layer. There is a portal. We have no idea what we're supposed to do. No one does. And so we end up... Um, I'm at this portal. There's three people, you know, surrounding me. And my character looks up and says, I'm all about suicide, and just jumps through the portal. DM doesn't say anything. Another person grabs this player player's character who the player have really been an ass the whole the whole time he's just been an ass but he grabs the player and 
pulls him through the portal. And no one else goes through the portal. Liam takes the moment and explains what happens to us on the other side of the portal. It was an immediate re-roll of character. Uh, because... You jumped to your death. Yeah, it, 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 it was literally portal to death. Uh, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Um, so the I'm all about suicide it was a perfect line for my Kenku right there. <laughs> but it, it, it it's one of those things... If you do something and there's a given result, as a DM, I understand where you want to keep players alive because the players enjoy it and all that. But at the same time, if you don't have that possible death experience in your campaign to where they have to roll new characters, then that... that that character that they've built and they love and they've become attached to doesn't mean as much. So I had a moment. I, I, we're definitely getting off and we're just kind of talking about D&D for a moment. But hey, that's part of the show. <laughs> Especially when we're on such a heavy D&D related topic. Yeah. So uh, like I said, I'm level 5 rogue. Um, he's now a 3 rogue, 2 cleric. Okay. Um, arcane trickster rogue. And whatever the trickster cleric is. I don't remember the actual definition. I don't know. I'm with clerics. But it, it, it fits the same uh, role, so it fits. Um, but so the session before I reclassed, we were going through a mansion. And long story short, at the end of the session, I fell in a pool because I failed a deck save. Um what happened was this deck save, whenever I failed it, I fell in the pool, I immediately dropped to zero. Yeah. And had to start making death saves. I wasn't the only one. But, so the start of the next session, I went a whole week prepping backup characters, not sure it was going to happen. It was my first time having to do death saves, all of that. Wasn't really enjoying the character, so I had all this stuff planned out, backup characters ready to go. Get to the next session, and it starts with me rolling my first save. Yep. And I roll a natural 20. Nice. And so the way he wrote it, or rolled it, was since you go back to the health that you had when you hit zero, not you return at one. Okay. So I immediately, he made it, I fall in, hit my head on the ground, fall to zero, suffer a concussion, but immediately pop back up and recover. Yes. And I was like, okay, but I wanted this. So the next session, we worked something out because the whole town had been under a memory charm. Yeah. We worked out, since it was my hometown, I had suffered the memory charm heavier than everyone else. Yeah. And we had solved the problem of the memory charm, so by me sleeping after having fixed it, yep. awoken all these memories and stuff like this, had to dream with the trickster god that unlocked my locked cleric abilities and all that stuff. Yep. And so much happier now that I have magic as a rogue. Because the Thief Rogue had zero magic. And now I can cast Fog Cloud. Current plan is I look like the... Because our current boss is a hag. I'm currently disguised self as a servant of the hag. I've found the servant's quarters. and wearing servant's clothes on top of my disguise. I have found someone's schedule and have a name and everything to go off of. So that way, whenever we find the hag, the remainder of the party, depending on how we encounter the hag, I'm either going to approach the hag and pretend to be the servant, being like, they're here, they're here. Yeah. Or the party is going to grab me and pretend to hold me hostage, and we're going to see if the hag values the life of her servants or not. And if she goes to swing on me, I can cast shield. So, so, and my AC will jump to twenty. What, what, what I'm hearing is for Fireball. Uh, we do have someone that can clear cast, or whatever, <laughs> or whatever it is. They can uh, concentrate cast, or they can make it where they don't hurt their allies. Okay. So we do have that in our back pocket, also. But our first goal is to see if she is going to see me as an enemy or an ally, and if it's an ally, the plan is for made to do fog cloud and then invoke duplicity yep to make another me so someone else can have another hostage so 
what I mean by that, there is a YouTuber, TikToker, and all, Offbeat Outlaw. Um, he goes in, and a lot of his stuff is about basically unionizing uh, the the kobolds and the goblins. And I all. think I've seen one or two of his. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But uh, because I am starting to press a, a, a time crunch for tonight and all that, because I have other people that want to get some time with me while I am in town. Um, Let's get back on track, back on subject for question, possible answer of The Hobbit. Okay, well, uh, I've really only got one thing left that I can think of. Okay. Um, so you're Bilbo in this scenario. All right. How would you react to 13 dwarves showing up on your door? Probably the same way Bilbo acted in the fucking movie. Okay, so what, what, I, what I do love about the movie is that there's the moment where he is sitting down for dinner before the, he gets the first knock. He's sitting down to dinner. He's got the lemon in his hand, and he squeezes it. And as he's squeezing it, that knock hits, and then his expression just drops. And to be honest, I feel that so much. And I'm sorry. If 13 motherfuckers were to show up on my doorstep, if one motherfucker were to show up on my doorstep that I was not expecting, you're not coming in my fucking house. You're not. I'm sorry. It's just not going to fucking happen. Um... Now I understand, you know, it's dwarf versus hobbit, and let's let's be honest, a, a dwarf with an axe is probably going to beat a hobbit with, you know, a butter knife. But that's besides the point. Um, I really wish I had more questions for this. I'm I'm sure I do, and I'm sure it'll come up in other episodes. Uh, which is one thing I love about doing the, the trilogies and all that. That's what I would say. Luckily, there are five more movies in the Tolkien verse. And they're about to start a series on Amazon as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that, that series is actually supposed to take place during the Second Age. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't remember exactly how many years prior to the original trilogy, but... Over a thousand? Okay. Because uh, that's whenever the Rings of Power are, are being made. Um, I do have a question. How are we running on our, our, our time for this particular one? I know you still have to edit everything down. Oh, we're looking good on time. Okay. Uh, I, I, this is Lord of the Rings. I didn't want to cut it short um, if I didn't have to. Um, but yeah. So I guess for final thoughts, uh, before we enter final thoughts and what you think of the movie itself, uh, do you have any memorable quotes from the movie? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, but I want to save mine. What, what do you got? Um, so... Mine is going to be from a conversation between Bilbo and Gandalf. Okay. Um, Bilbo, I have never used a sword in my life. Gandalf responds, and I hope you never have to. But if you do, remember this. True courage is about knowing not when to take a life, but when to spare one. Yes. Uh, so my my favorite quote... Um, and this is actually through, like, all of the Lord of the Rings movies, The Hobbit, all that. Um, it comes from Gollum. And it's, uh, it's down whenever they're, they're in the cave. He, he has the ring. They're getting ready to do the riddles. Uh, but, but, uh, it's, if Baggins loses, we eat some hope. I just absolutely love that line. I don't know what it is about that line, uh, but, but I really enjoy it. Um, I guess maybe it's the thought of just uh, Goblin just trying to eat an entire Hobbit whole. Um, I feel like that's a, that's a little bit of a tall order for, for Gollum. Well, I mean, he even does go into that scenario. Oh, I've never had Hobbit before. I wonder how it tastes. And he immediately starts brainstorming. Which is, which is kind of funny because at one point in time, if I'm not mistaken, and I, I can be mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, at one point in time, when Gollum found the ring originally, he was a hobbit. That's what uh, I was thinking. Or a hobbit-esque creature. I don't remember the exacts on it. Um, I know that they... I, I, I want to say the books in the movie actually treat it differently. Uh, yes. Not 100% sure. We will figure that out whenever we get to that movie, which I believe they don't cover it until Two Towers. Um... But yeah, so as we're getting close to time here, um, what are your final thoughts on an unexpected journey? 
Uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Again, having having never read the book, having never listened to the book on audio, um, this movie was my girlfriend's favorite book growing up, and so it, it was a very very big deal whenever we were dating originally, and since then, because I always loved the 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 Lord of the Rings movie, they were done so well, um, so getting to see that done again was was such a great thing um if i was gonna rate it nine or sorry if i was gonna rate it one out of ten i would probably give it a nine just because of the issues that i have against it with the cgi um but overall it's it's a wonderful movie it's great in the fantasy realm um there there's there's not much I can really say about it that's bad. Um, obviously, since I had so few questions. Um, I, I I do feel like from a cinematic standpoint, they, they did tie in a lot of loose ends. And they did try to give like proper reference for a lot of things, to my knowledge, in the book. Um, but I also know that how the book goes and how the movie goes is not the same like there there's definitely a stark contrast between the two um but yeah what about you so i've never read any of the books besides the actual lord of the rings so i have no comparison whatsoever to draw on between book and movie um i enjoyed the movie i don't rate it as high as you i'm probably only going to give it a six and a half Mainly because as a standalone movie, it does not do good. You have to finish the series to get the full story. Yeah. Which is understandable for this movie, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that don't have the time to dedicate 12 hours to one story. Uh, it's, it's, it's not 12 hours. Well, I mean, just going off of the three movies for The Hobbit. I mean, th- that's that's correct. But it, it it it's it's not twelve hours. I I, I know it's 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 more. <laughs> it's a lot more. But uh, which, which just goes to reinforce, uh, you know. So just ba- you know, based off the as a solo movie, it does not do well because you are left very open ended. You don't get your happy ending, which no one is expecting that from these movies either. But at the same time. You know, you want to end on a happy note. And this one just kind of ends neutrally. So, each... I've done the numbers on this before and I can't remember. Uh, so the... Each movie... Uh, well, I say that... I don't know that these account for the extent... No, this is definitely not the extended editions. Um... Okay. The theatrical versions of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit trilogies have a total runtime of 9 hours and 18 minutes and 7 hours and 54 minutes. And again, these are the theatrical versions, not the extended editions. And of course, here, we only really give a shit about the extended editions. Because if you're watching these and not watching the extended editions, I realize some people have kids and they don't have the time. I get it. I understand. Blah, blah, blah. Well, those are also the people that probably don't have the time to listen to a podcast talking about these movies. That is true. Uh, now, the the irony is um, my lovely darling girlfriend uh, will probably be listening to it because she, she has listened to the uh, other ones that we've made. I know, because she sent me a message asking how to find them, and before I could respond, I got the message from her saying, never mind, found it. So if you if and when you are listening to this, I don't want to say your name for, uh, purposes. for safety reasons. I haven't gotten that approval from you yet. But uh, you know who you are, this one person out of possible listeners that is listening. She's, um, she's bowling right now. Um, but I got the message. I'm sorry I didn't respond. You found it before I could reply. Glad you found it, though. Glad you're listening. Yeah. That, 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 that was rather nice. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, that's really about all I got, man. Um, wrap up? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's going to do it. 
for this discussion of The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Um, again, Facebook, Instagram, uh, search for Question Possible Answer. Find our podcast at anchor.fm slash question possible answer. There might be some underscores in that. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so that's where you can find the podcast itself. Um, I guess after this one, a few more that we do have planned in no particular order. Uh, we're going to talk about Men in Black, uh, the original Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. We were going to try to do No Way Home, but it's not going to release for home release in time. So we're just going to start at the beginning of that trilogy. And the other one that we had planned was Back to the Future Part 2, uh, retouching on a subject that we're really looking forward to get to cover. I think that does it, unless you had anything else you had to throw in there. Um, I, I think that's about it. Um, to be honest, I, I, I'd actually really enjoy if we could double back on Pitch Black if we get the opportunity, but I also know time is really not on our side as I'm only in the States for 20 days uh, before I have to go back and have fun in the sandbox, um, which I, if I owned that place and hell, I would rent that place out and live in hell. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, so we, we might get to that callback on Pitch Black re-recording. Um, I guess no guarantees on any of the movies I just said because schedule is imperative but yeah so we'll get it all worked out and stay tuned and hope to have you all listen again at question possible answer i'm tog peanut have a good night